All right, you heard it one time. Next week, it's all of you have to stand up here. Everybody got it? All right. <laughs> oh, man, that is wonderful. I just love that when we allow the children to uh, express themselves in those ways, and it's so wonderful we have a program that teaches our children um, the, the glory of God. Amen? Amen? I just think that's just marvelous. Janice doing a great job. Keep it up, lady. Keep it up. All right. Uh, a minister received a card with a note in the, from it from a lady of the congregation. He said that she was very complimentary about his uh, preaching and his preaching styles. She actually compared him to none other than Billy Graham. And he thought to himself, wow, that's, that's pretty good. And so through this, she finished by writing, I think that you are one of the really greatest preachers of all times. Man, he was really excited. Later that afternoon, he showed this note to his wife. And his wife simply said, who is that woman? Who is this woman? He replied, well, she's, of course, a very intelligent woman. Probably the most intelligent woman of our congregation, of course. And then later on, he asked his wife, he said, well, how many great preachers do you think there's supposed there really are in the whole wide world? And his wife looked at him and simply said, one less than you think. After Donna told me that, I was really crushed. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you today about a thing called pride. You ever deal with pride in your lifetime? If your answer is no, perhaps you're dealing with it even this very moment. Pride. But as we get started to set the stage, let me say a few things here. I believe as a believer in Christ, you can use your talent for other reasons, but until you use it for the glory of God, you'll never see its fullest potential. You know, it kind of goes back to the tennis racket. A tennis racket can be used as a fly swatter, but that's not really its intent. Its purpose is to be and to use to hit a tennis ball. And so oftentimes we confuse that in our lives. We do what we choose to do and not what God has chosen for us to do. I'm also a firm believer seeing God develop in you what you know that was not there on your own doing causes you to stay humble in your life. I know that for a fact in my life. But what it does, it allows you to tune in, I think, to God's awesomeness and you can't help but praise Him for what He's done because you know it wasn't your doing, it was His. Because you cannot take credit for it, it humbles you. And a humble life causes one to be lifted, according to James chapter 4. When we are humbled before the Lord, the Lord promises us something. And the promise is He lifts us up. But as he lifts us up, we have to be very careful that we're not taking credit for something because then we have to be humbled again. So it's a kind of a, a battle in which we fight as Christians, as human beings. Humbleness does not bring to us to perfection. It doesn't say that. But what it does do, it takes us to a new level because God's promise is true. Amen? And in that process... We have to guard ourselves against, once again, the thing called pride. Because on our journey, it is easy for us 
to find ourselves as individuals bragging or preparing ourselves to someone else and lifting ourselves up, or again, a thing called pride. You're going to hear me say that word a lot today. I like what Benjamin Franklin said about pride. He wrote these words. He said, There is perhaps no one of our natural passions so hard to subdue as that of pride. Beat it down, stifle it down, mortify it as much as you please. It's still alive. He ends by saying, Even if I could conceive that I had completely overcome it, I should probably be proud of my humility. Because we're humans. So let's talk about pride just a little bit today, if we can. could probably talk about it a lot, but I don't want to be prideful about all the material I have. Pride is a unique thing. It equally pulls on all people. It doesn't discriminate about age or gender or any of those things. It happens to us when we're young and when we're old alike. It happens to us if we're a Christian or a non-Christian. And it's a struggle that we deal with. It's not like many of the other temptations that we might not deal with as much as someone else. For instance, in drunkenness. Some may not fall to that temptations, but some do. It may be, another would be sexual immorality. Some may not struggle with that, but some do. Maybe theft or lying or cheating. But no matter who you are, pride is something we all deal with. And an unchecked pride can and does lead to defeat. It doesn't matter if you're a military officer or a minister of the gospel of Christ. It will lead to defeat if pride is in your life. Because it goes against the grain of what God has said we need to be about. And oftentimes it's very embarrassing when it's called to our attention. But just as Cam Newton once said, when it hits It hits harder than any linebacker ever did. He was humbled, if you know his story. Someone once said about pride, pride cherishes its own independence. And I read that three or four times this week, and I found it interesting because that's really the core of it, isn't it? Pride cherishes its own independence. Remember this one in Luke chapter 12? And I shall say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. It seems to me that he cherished his own independence. And the scripture said he was foolish, and even his own soul was required. Maybe you heard the one about the woodpecker to lighten things up a little bit. I've told it before, but I like it. It's one of my favorites anyway. Woodpecker was pecking away at this dead tree, at the trunk of this dead tree. Just pecking away, doing what woodpeckers do. And suddenly a lightning struck that dead tree and split it in two and laid it on the ground. But the woodpecker flew off unharmed. And he's landed on a branch next to one of his friends. He looked back and saw that fallen tree and he simply said to his friend, See what I did? It's that one that takes credit where credit is not due. Simply we can slide into pride and not even perhaps mean to to begin with. Often, set it, often people will set the stage and they will tell you some little story to set the stage to remind you that they're not prideful, but all through the story in which they tell, you can see it. And it unwinds itself throughout the telling. 
We think that we're humble in those ways. And so we create or we say to ourselves or to other, I come to you in humbly in love. And then we display something differently. Now you need to know that God shares Himself with us through and in and by His Holy Spirit, praise God. Upon your baptism, the Scripture says that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and He lives within us. And when we try to take credit for what God has done in us, in our lives, we are trying to take the glory of God without permission from God. And when that happens, good things normally don't follow, do they? I've been there too many times myself. Just ask Moses in the, uh, in the Old Testament, and he strikes the rock. Must I always do this? Didn't turn out too good for Moses. Peter thought that he was morally and spiritually stronger than all the others. Oh, they will. That one will. Um, that one I know will. But not me, Lord. I will never do that. And we know the outcome of Peter in that instant. Douglas Webster wrote something I thought great about this moment in Peter's life. He said these words, Peter's pride was so transparent that we find ourselves both embarrassed for him and angry at him. It may be because we find ourselves there. I don't think we would have had him preach for us the following Sunday. He is an outstanding illustration of the scripture that we give today for the heading, which would be pride goes before destruction or before the fall. And it does. It's hurtful. God shares his glory with no one, he tells us in Isaiah 42, unless he gives it. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. God does not contradict himself. He said in the beginning, what did he say? He said, I will never have oh, other gods before me. Period. And when we, become, when we become prideful in our journey together, we often can begin to take God's glory when it's not given. God takes the back seat of no one, no matter what their title might be. But keep in mind, and this is important for some, I think, that the sin found even in pride can be forgiven. Praise God. Amen? Amen. But it has to be recognized. It can't be overlooked. So that pride can be forgiven as Peter's was, and God not only forgave Peter, but he restored him and was used mightily in his kingdom. God is in the restoring business. Praise God. And God can take you to heights that He chooses to, what, not what man might try to limit. Because He is God. He raises who He chooses to, to a level in which He chooses to. Pride is also reflected in our attitudes. We talked a, a little bit about that in our class today that Stan's teaching did a great job there. And I, I think that was so true that pride reflects, it reflects in our attitude. And then that attitude leads us to our actions. Because when your attitude ain't quite right, your actions get a little out of kilter, don't they? Husbands, wives. 
the attitude bad at work and you just get balled up in work or something's going on and it's just not going right and you bring that attitude home and there's your bride or there's your husband and there they are and they're free game because of your attitude. And all of a sudden, the attitude becomes what? Actions. And we normally take those out on the ones that we love the most. It becomes pretty ugly. We've all seen that. And I suppose that we're all guilty of it. If not, I pray that you never are. Did you know that pride also is one of the biggest obstacles that keep people from coming to God? Did you know that? People say things like this, and maybe you've heard it, maybe not just in this, this manner, but you hear it through them, and I've heard it just as this. I know I'm better than many of the religious people I know. Did you ever hear that? I'm better than a lot of those religious people. And you know what? Truth be told, they might be. Because even religious people fall to pride. How do I know that? Because the Scripture says in Luke 18, the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed. Remember, he's the leader of the group. He's the religious guy of the group. He's the one telling everybody what they need to do, what they need to be. And he had the checklist, and it was a long checklist. But for him, he was good. And notice what he says. God, can you imagine? I like to, I, this just fascinates me that God allows us to read this guy's prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not a lot like that person or that one or that one or that one. Certainly not that one. And not that one and not that one and not that one and not that one. And maybe in his mind he was running through a few names because that's what we do. We may not call them adulterers. We may not call them robbers or thieves or whatever that he calls here, evildoers. But we run those names through our minds nonetheless. And when he gets done, he ends it up by saying, like those other robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like that tax collector, because everybody knows a tax collector. Who likes the IRS? You guys? You like them as long as they send you a check at the end of the year or sometime in the spring. You don't like them too good when they say, oh, you owe us, right? Anybody? I don't either. Been there a few times. Done that. But you see, I write, pride is a kissing cousin. It's a kissing cousin of arrogance, and arrogance is a kissing cousin of egotism, and egotism is a cousin of self-centeredness. And a person that is self-centered is one that believes that they are the only one with all the knowledge and the answers. Jesus makes it equal at the foot of the cross. We are not less than nor more than. If your slate is wiped clean at the cross... And my slate is wiped clean at the cross. We are both co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Can I have an amen? Because all you're saying is we agree with Scripture. Because that's what Jesus said. But pride does something for us. I've seen it in my own life. Pride robs me of the virtue of humility. And I don't like it when I'm called on pride but it's hard to deny it when it's true. And we deal with it. Oh, prideful people can pretend to be humble and fool many people, and they do. But God sees through the hypocrisy. And you have to swallow a little deeper. Keeping God first and knowing where blessings and victories come from can keep us properly in our place on our journey together. 
being humble, as we taught in class today, and loving and considerate of one another, even with our, I would just say, even with our pimples. John said these words, he must increase, but I must decrease. John was lifted because he believed that. John was moved higher because of the fact that he knew what it was all about. And it wasn't him. You have to know the order in a proper order is you're never first until you recognize that you're last. Our striving should always be at the end of the line. Trying to put someone behind you in the line of goodness makes you guilty of pride. In Matthew chapter 20, so the last will be first and the first shall be last. For many are called, but few have been chosen. My mom taught me many, many things throughout life. I share that with you because she did. She was probably the strongest mentor in my life. More so than my father. My father was a hard-working man, a good, godly man. He taught me that work ethics were important in my life and to provide for the family and love your bride and love God. But my my mom taught me life lessons, these life lessons. And she would tell me, and this would be one. She said, son, if you want to be first, you'll have to continually push your way to the top. And to push your way to the top, you'll have to brag about yourself and put down others. And when you do that, son, you become very ugly to people. You become very ugly to others, no matter how pretty you are on the outside. And boy, isn't that true. A mother's wisdom. My mom and dad taught me something that I have failed at thousands of times. So I am not standing here lecturing. I'm standing here confessing. They thought that's something that I failed at a thousand times. Don't worry about being first. Just serve others in God, and God will take care of the order. Finally, you cannot receive the ultimate blessing of God, which is salvation. I love that about our God. Our God wants to give you the very best up front. Isn't that wonderful about our God? He doesn't say, well, if you do all these things, when it's ended, then maybe, just maybe, we'll just have to see. And many Christians feel like that. I hear people say often, well, I sure hope I've done enough. I simply asked the person that and simply said, have you put your trust in Jesus? Oh, you bet I have. Then you need to be reminded, as Jeff read today, that's all it takes. The only way to receive that salvation is through your humility. It's the only way it comes. If you are checking your list, as the Pharisees did there, more than you are checking your heart, your eyes are on the wrong thing, and their eyes were always on the wrong thing, and many have a long list. But James was right when he said, or in the book of James it says, humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. So what does humbling yourself before the Lord God say? 
What is it saying when I humble myself before you, when we sing the song or read the scriptures? What does it mean by that? How do I come to that saving grace that God says he extends to even someone like me? It's saying, I accept what your son Jesus has done for me, not what I have tried to do. For what I have done is sinned. And there is nothing that I can do to remove that no matter how good I am or, or no matter what I do. That's being humble before God. And that's what God requires of all of us. And once we receive that, all He requires of us to do is allow other people to also find that wonderful grace of God. Remember what I've always taught you many times. If you have to work to get in, you will have to work harder to stay in. But one day you will discover your work comes without a paycheck. A humble heart never stops being rewarded. If it does, then God is not true to His Word. Because if I'm humbled, He lifts me. And I know that it's coming. But I have to watch when I humble myself, expecting that to come, because then I've switched it over from humbling to something that I do, and then it becomes pride because God must lift me up. No. It's humbling myself. It's being a servant as Jesus was a servant. A humble heart never stops being rewarded. Please understand that. Works, salvation is based upon what you have accomplished, and that, my friend, is a thing called pride. And if it's works to stay in, it's still called pride. It's someone that says that I will stand before God someday and I will simply say, these are all the things that I've done. Look at my list. And Jesus addressed that as well, did he not? And simply said, apart from me, I never knew you. But the one that comes before God and is humble and he sees that heart that's been humble before him because that's the very thing that God is after. And all of us, he simply says, enter in to the joys of heaven. Praise God. Amen? Your works removes God's grace and salvation is missed. I don't care who you are. Your surrender, humbled heart, delivers God's grace and salvation is affirmed. Hallelujah. How do we know that? Is that true? Well, let's see. Romans chapter 9. You know, I love to go to the book of Romans. Romans, I think the book of Romans said things straight for me in my life. I love God all my life. I went to church and did all those things and whoa, 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 look at me. But not until I read the book of Romans and it touched my heart. And I didn't read it for someone else. I read it for me and I discovered real quickly what he was trying to explain to the church at Rome. He was trying to ex uh, explain to me some 2,000 years later, perhaps. Harley. You're missing something. And what you're missing is grace. You've missed my grace. And I thought, my goodness, grace is a beautiful thing. Not so that I sin more, 
but that I've died to that. And the grace that God has extended me all the way through my life is that he's promised me eternal life. And in Romans 9, it says, it does not therefore depend on human desires or effort. How plain can he get? But God's mercy. Can somebody say amen? amen. Okay, just want to make sure you're still out there. And then in Ephesians, Paul writes these words, and he says, for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. You can't get it without faith. And you can't have faith without having a humble heart. Because you have faith in not what you do, but what on He has done. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Can somebody say amen? I'm going to get a little sign. Just... <laughs> applause. Yeah, applause don't bother me, but it does somebody, but I'm not sure. Here we go. Watch this. It says, not by works so that no one can stand proud. Boastful. There's not one person that's going to stand before God and say, look what I did. I get in, don't I? Oh, Jesus, looky here. Come on in. Harley, I've been waiting on you. <laughs> i got to wrap this thing up, don't I? I better before I get shot. Here we go. Pride. Pride kept as a barrier built by you. Remember what I told you, pride is a sin that can be forgiven. Pride kept is a barrier built by you, and that barrier stops the flow of God's blessing in your life. Now, just be honest, who wants a blessing from God in your life? Raise your hand. Could you do it up high? Very good. Some of you want a half a blessing. Somebody's back there doing this about to dance in the aisle. That's me. Yeah, bring it on. I want a blessing of God. Pride builds the barrier that stops blessing. So if I'm not being blessed, check yourself and see if you're not, you are being prideful. Because once forgiveness is given, watch, a humble heart brings one to repentance. And when repentance comes, a humble heart is pushed through the pride. And God destroys that barrier. <laughs> Because God is a good God. God is a loving God. God is a gracious God. God is a merciful God. God is a God that forgives all of my sins. God is a God that restores my soul. God is a God that lifts me higher than I ever thought possible in my life. All the things that I can even imagine. I can't get that high. But they only come with humility. With a humble heart. And they flow freely from him because he loves me, because I am his child. He bought me with a price. He paid the price for my sin and all of what I am. Do you want a blessing today? Then humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord. And see for yourself how high he will take you. So perhaps today, as we close, perhaps you are looking for a prayer today for whatever reasons. You know that and God knows that. 
But we offer this invitation time just for you. And if you want your brothers and sisters that are standing with you not to condemn, but to lift up as we learned in class, to spur one another on, to encourage one another. If you come, we pray with you and for you. We don't condemn. Just come with a humble heart. Watch what God does. Or perhaps you are that person that's never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just open your heart and say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Oh boy, he's going to say the sinner's prayer. And there's no such thing as a sinner's prayer. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. I'm a sinner. And I'm lost without you, God. And the humbleness comes. And then, yes, of course, new birth is available to wash away and to fill my life knowing that God will lead me. So perhaps today, that's what you need. The waters of baptism, they're ready, they're prepared, they're warm. It takes a few minutes. Or maybe you don't want to do it in front of everybody, and a lot of people are like that. They just don't want to do it in front of a big crowd. That's okay. But don't you wait another day. Don't you let Satan steal from you one more day of the salvation that God has for your life. So before you leave today, you come up and, Harley, today's my day. Today is the day that I want to lay my sins at the foot of the cross. Today is the day that I want Jesus' blood to wash over me. Today is the day that I want my sins forgiven, all of them, my past wiped clean. And today is the day that I want Him to write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And today is the day when I want to humble myself before a God, the only God that can save me, only through Jesus' Son. So before you leave, you make sure, if you haven't done that, you get in touch with somebody up here today or myself, and we'll take care of that in about seven minutes. But whatever your need is, if God's placing it on your heart right now, don't push that humbleness away. Embrace it and come as we stand and sing. You come.